continuing our series on kingdom culture. You know, Jesus expressed and talked about the kingdom over a hundred times in the New Testament. It's important to Jesus. It should be important for us as well. So let's just open our hearts and our ears and our minds as we plug into what God would want to say. Father, we just thank you for this series on kingdom culture. And Lord, I thank you for the words that you placed in Adrian's heart, Lord God, for us to hear this morning. And Lord, we thank you that may it be like fresh bread that satisfies this morning. I pray that your word would uh, resonate deep in our hearts. Lord, we ask for your kingdom to come and your will be done in Jesus' name. Father, just uh, lift Adrian up to you and thank you for him and thank you for what he has prepared. But Lord, we just pray that, that we would be people of your kingdom, not just on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week, that we would carry your kingdom into our work, into school, in college, university, that we would be carriers of your kingdom in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Andrew. This morning we're looking at kingdom culture, and uh, that's where we're going. And um, this is a series that we're looking at as a church together. And uh, up to now, we've looked at this idea of culture. Um, Culture is uh, how we live our lives. Uh, You can look at a a culture as the way people live, really. And um, belief and behavior forms culture, something that we've been spending some time looking at. And uh, what does that mean and how can we live? And so we have a culture of our society has a certain culture. We've been looking at this idea of what is a consumer culture. And as Christians, we, we're to live counter to that consumer culture. We're, to, we're beginning to look at this idea of what it means to be in a kingdom culture. We're people of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ people of the light, and we're looking at what that means to be in the kingdom of God and what it means then to live this kingdom culture life and uh, in the midst of a world in which we live, which is consumer culture and the challenges of that, but the joys of living in the kingdom and how we can do that. And so that's uh, what we've been looking at over the last few weeks and we're looking to expand on that and how we can do that in the power of God. And um, last week we looked at this idea of treasure, what you value. Jesus said, whatever you treasure, that's where your heart will be. And so the values of our lives are so important. Our belief, our value system determines how we behave. Uh, and so we, we are people of the book, people of the word of God. And so if we believe everything that Jesus shares with us and base our lives, uh, our behavior comes out of our belief. And if we value, and so we then talked about this idea of treasuring a relationship with God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I asked the question of myself, you know, I don't point the finger at anybody else, do I really treasure my relationship with Jesus? Because if I treasure, wherever I treasure, you know, my heart is going to be where I place my treasure. So, what is it? There's a song, isn't there? I left my heart in San Francisco, whatever the, however the song goes. But we want to leave our hearts with Jesus. We want to treasure. And so Jesus talked about this seeking God first, treasuring. And if we treasure, if we value the kingdom and, the, and Jesus, a relationship with him, then we'll live out of that. And that's so important. And that's probably the foundational key to living a kingdom life. It's not what we do, it's who we are. So it's not a load of stuff that we have to do for Jesus. It's who we are in Jesus. And it's who we are in Jesus Christ that will determine um, how we behave and who we become. 
And it's so, it's so important to have a relationship with the living God, a love relationship that we treasure. Nothing will get in the way of that. Nothing will detract from that. Nothing will take me away from my relationship with Jesus. But in the age in which we live, consumer culture consumes. There's a, there's a desire for our hearts. And uh, so this is what we've been looking at and uh, as a little bit of a summary. So consumer kingdom culture, where are we? in the balance of the world in which we live. So this morning, I just want to speak about, we've, if we're Christians, we have moved from darkness to light. And uh, it's that that we're going to look at this morning, moving from darkness to light. And so the first thing that I want to speak about is priority. There's three things that we're going to look at. And the first one is this, it's your priority, my priorities. Um, Jesus shares in... Um, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom. Uh, I'm not going to spend a long time on this this morning because I've spent the last few weeks looking at priority, but I just want to remind myself, and perhaps you might, might need to remind yourself too. I know that I do, and I'm speaking about this. So I think to myself, if I'm speaking on the subject and I need to remind myself, then perhaps we all need to remind ourselves from time to time. And um, so it's a case of... Um, priority. And Jesus said about life, this life that we live, seek first his kingdom. In other words, make a relationship with Jesus a first thought, not an afterthought. What do, who and what do we treasure? First thought, not an afterthought. It's easy, easily for me to say that. I, I, if you're like me, you have many things um, calling for your time. You probably have many things tugging at your heart. You have many, many choices to make in life. We live in a world of incredible choice. That's amazing. Isn't that incredibly? That's good. But there are now so many choices. And I joked about, you know, buying a cup of coffee, how long it takes to get a cup of coffee. If you, all the choices that we have. But there's so much that's vying for your heart. That's the key. There is so much today that is looking for your heart. And it's so important for where our treasure there our heart will be. God is a God who is a consuming fire. To be consumed is to be consumed by the love of Jesus Christ and to live for him. And so Jesus then said, it's about priority in your life. What is your, who and what is your priority? And so he says, seek first God's kingdom. And we looked at what the kingdom was. If you don't know, then have a look at on our, our website and catch up with some of the things that we've been sharing about the kingdom, the rule or the, the life of God in our hearts and in our lives. And there's a danger. We can be consumed by consumerism. And so we've said it's not wrong to have things. And God, God knows. He said, Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things, the things of life that you need will be given you as well. So God knows that we need stuff for life. But it's when stuff consumes us. It's not something, it's someone. It's, his name is Jesus Christ. You know that things please for a moment, but a relationship with the living God pleases life completely and fully for an eternity. Truly and fully. And so there's this idea of priority. So we spent some time, but I, I mentioned it this morning because it is so important. It's pivotal. Priority. The priorities of my life and your life are pivotal for your future, your destiny, 
not only is in the long-term distant future, but your destiny, your tomorrow, like next week, tomorrow, this afternoon, our priorities determine today and tomorrow for our destiny. And so it's pivotal that we... So this is why Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom. So in other words, make that our priority. It's not hard to find, and we've, we've looked at that. Uh, that. So that then leads me into what I really want to um, talk about a bit more this morning. Secondly, is our position. So we're going to spend a bit more time on this aspect, our position. Do you know it's important to know your position when you're going on a journey? It's really important. If you, if you go onto Google Maps... It, and you, you, you say that you want to go to, I don't know, wherever it is, uh, I don't know, if it was, say, somewhere in Derby, it, and it will then come up, and you want to click on the journey, it will then ask you from this position, or from another position, from another place, and then it works out from there. It's important um, to know your position when you're going on a journey, to work out the best route, the best direction, the best way, not only the most straightforward, but the quickest the best way. So it's important if you, if you click on Google Maps, you'll find that it will say your position will determine the best route of your direction. Um, your position is good. If you, if you break down and the AA, you call the AA, I'm a member of the AA, and you call out the AA to help you, they will ask you, what's, well, they won't say what's your position, but they'll say, well, where are you? Can you give us a postcode or a bearing or something? You know, your position is really important for if you want to be res- our rescue for our direction. You know, I, was, I said it a bit earlier, but for a child, when a child, a, a toddler learns to walk, as they learn to walk and they venture out for the first time, psychologists have done a lot of studies on this about the position of a child when its relationship with its caregiver, parents, or its major adult caregiver. And psychologists say that an actual, a little child they've observed, once they've learned to be, take a few steps, they will look out to see where mum, dad, or their parental caregiver is and then venture around the room, looking back to where that caregiver is. Their early years childhood development, it's basic stuff. They've actually looked at this in, in, in childhood development. And so position, the relationship with their caregiver is so important to determine the child's movement around the room and then beginning to walk on a journey. Position with their parent. You know, so it's incredibly important your position, our position with our parent, our father in heaven. So when we walk in life, wherever you go in life, you need to know your position with God, the almighty father. Jesus revealed him as our father in heaven. If you're going to go on a journey, best direction, you need to know your position. Our position is so incredibly important. I, you know, I discovered that. I now can't, I understand that more than ever. It's making more and more sense than it ever has. And it's becoming radical in helping me go on the journey that God's calling me to go on in my life today. We read in, what, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, um, these words. Jesus, it says there, Paul writes these words in Colossians 1, verse 13. This is a great verse on position. If you're a Christian this morning, this is your position. This is amazing. This will determine your journey, my journey, our journey as a church, our position. It's incredible. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 13 reads like this. For he, that's God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son, 
he loves. Almighty God has rescued us, if you're a Christian, from the dominion of darkness. Another translation could say the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. That's an amazing verse of our current position. You might not feel like that, but now we have been rescued. If you're a Christian, you've been taken out from the rulership of darkness and Satan and the devil and the ways of this world and been brought into the kingdom, the rulership of God, the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5 verse 8, we read these words. It's not come up on screen, but Ephesians 5 and 8 reads like this. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. You were once in darkness, says Ephesians 5 and 8, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. But now, Christians, you are light in the Lord. He's saying something similar that he said in Colossians 1.13. You were once in darkness, you're now in light. You've, if in Jesus Christ, what he's achieved on the cross has taken you from the influence of this world and now into the influence and rulership of the kingdom of heaven. This is why Jesus said, pray the kingdom come in our hearts and lives and is established more and more in others. Now, it's interesting that in Colossians 1, I'm going to unpack a few, a, few, a few key words there. So stay with me as we look at our position. And then we'll wrap, wrap, wrap this up in a moment. So, a few key words. It says the word there. It says, he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness. Rescued. The word there, rescue, is similar to ransom and to redeem. The idea there is it's, it's a similar word. It means to be ransomed, redeemed, uh, rescued. It's a similar word. And that word literally sort of means it, it relates to the purchase price that they used to use in the East to free a slave. In the ancient East, 2,000 years ago, when Paul was writing these words that we've just read, somebody was slavery. There was millions and millions of people in slavery. You could pay a price for a slave to allow that person to be freed. They could never buy their freedom, but a rich benefactor out of their love and mercy could pay a price to free a slave. That redemption price or ransom price, that rescue price, is what Paul is referring to here. He's basically saying that you have been ransomed, you have been redeemed, you have been rescued. A purchase price, if you're a Christian, a purchase price has been paid for you, releasing you from slavery. You know when somebody says, I couldn't help myself, I had to do it. Releasing us from slavery and the influence of this world, the consumer world in which we live, the world that is influenced by Satan and the devil, we were enslaved to that. And Paul is now saying that you have now been paid for, released. Your slavery has been ransomed, rescued, released. Now the price of that wasn't money, but the very blood and life of Jesus Christ. That's why he died on the cross, rose from the dead. He paid the price with his own very blood and life. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So it says, you have been rescued you, from, therefore, so we're released from slavery and the, with the price of Jesus, from dominion of darkness, it says there. Basically, the dominion of darkness means kingdom of darkness. The rule or influence of the devil 
of this age in which we live, with all of its selfishness and living for pleasure and our own, the lust of what they call the flesh, our lives, we've been released from that kingdom. The kingdom of darkness is where God is not and Satan is. Everywhere where God is not and Satan is. You know when somebody says, I can't help myself, we are now freed so that we can be helped by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live a new life in freedom. Delivered from the dominion of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this age, now into the kingdom and light and life of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says, pray about the kingdom come, the kingdom now is released in our hearts and lives and in those that trust the living God, Jesus Christ, and come into his kingdom. He then says, rescued from that kingdom into a new kingdom, from darkness now into light, light meaning life, love, forgiveness, hope, friendship with God. There's the light in our lives, okay? Freedom. And he then uses this word. He says, you've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Brought, that word brought literally means transferred. Picked up from one place and dropped into a completely new place. The word there literally was used in the ancient East when a king, so when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, they took about 20,000 people captive, the best people, and they took them back to Babylon as their slaves. They transferred them. And in the ancient East, you were transferred. (laughs) You were brought if you, were, if, you were, if you had been ruled by a new king, defeated by a king, the whole nation, the best of that nation, were picked up and taken to that nation, transferred into slavery. And that's what Paul is basically saying when he says you've been brought or transferred. They would have understood this. And so as Christians, this is the picture for us as Christians, we have been transferred, picked up and brought now out of the pull and influence of this world and taken as, not slaves, as sons with all the benefits of sons and daughters into the kingdom of God's love. It says the kingdom of the the love of his son. That's where we are now. The kingdom is not only as a sense of an experience now and an experience yet to come. So we have been transferred from into, a, into the kingdom of God in our hearts and in our lives. So, our position then, our position now is we are in Christ. In the letter to the Ephesians, Paul talks all the time about you are now in Christ. We are in the kingdom. We are in the kingdom of his son. We, we have a taste of it now. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We taste of it now. We can live in it now. Not only till it comes in the future, people think about heaven and then it will all be wonderful, but there's a taste of the kingdom now. There's a taste of his freedom, his hope, his forgiveness, his healing, his deliverance, his life, his purpose, his forgiveness. Now. That's why when somebody becomes a Christian, they say, I feel as if the weight of the world's off my shoulders. I seem to think and see things more clearly than I've ever seen before. Why? Because we're tasting of the kingdom now. Now, the tragedy is this. Some Christians unwittingly pause the position. 
unwittingly, we can sometimes put a pause on our position. And in waiting for God to do something, sometimes I hear people say, oh, we're waiting for the next revival when the Lord will move upon the earth. Paul never really taught about the next greatest revival. He taught about living the kingdom now. It's really interesting. There's a danger. There can be a real danger in waiting. And I, I understand good meaning and really good Christians will sometimes say, well, wait. I know what they mean. We're praying that we see God move in our nation and move in our land. But the way he moves, he moves through us, through you and me. Now, it's a teaching of the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples in the kingdom. Go and share and spread this. And there's a danger we can unwittingly put a pause in by waiting. If we sit back and wait, and God does call us to wait at times, and I don't doubt that, that's true. But his main vehicle of the kingdom is through you and me. Because we've been transferred out of darkness into light. The kingdom of come is now in and in our hearts and in our lives. And this brings me to a third and final point, and it's this. Practice. So, if you know your position, you can, Paul then says, again and again, you'll see throughout the New Testament, Paul encourages Christians to practice their position. He never talks about praying for a revival. He says, practice your position. Practice the kingdom. Live the kingdom, in other words. Live the kingdom life. Why? Because you can. Why? Because you can. We've been hoodwinked by a teaching that says, oh, you can't do it. You can't do it. We've got to wait for God to do this or God to do that. But in actual fact, Paul again and again said to believers throughout Ephesians, read the letter to the Ephesians. Read the letter to the Colossians. You read it for yourself. Don't just take it from me. Paul again and again will encourage people to live, practice their position. You're now in the kingdom. You're in Christ. Now live in Christ. Live in Christ. Practice. So in Ephesians 5 and 8, Paul says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. As I said, it's a bit like Colossians 1.13. It overlaps slightly with Colossians 1 where he says, you're rescued from darkness, now into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Now he's saying in Ephesians, you were once in darkness, now live, you are the light in the Lord. He's saying a similar thing, just in a slightly different way, about living the life of the kingdom. Live as children of light. He doesn't say wait for a revival. He says that live as children of light. Go and live the life. Why? Because you can. Because we can. I'm not preaching something that says you are perfect and I'm perfect because I'm not. Anyone that says that we're without sin, who can't do that? The letters in John says this. But what we can say is this. We can live the kingdom. Paul wouldn't say, now live as light if we couldn't live as light. He wouldn't say that. It is possible for us to live the kingdom life. But the danger is we can pause it. We say, I can't. I can't do this. Or I can't do that. I haven't got the energy for this. I haven't got the willpower for that. You don't know my life and my home. And you're absolutely right, because I don't know. And you don't know what I'm going through. And you're absolutely right. I don't know what you're going through. You're right there. But we can live We practice our position in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how we can do it, in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, if you know your position, and the position is that we are now in Christ, if you're a Christian, and you're in the kingdom, and you're in light, and you're in life, 
Now we need to live out of that life. Psychologists will say something like this. If you can find yourself, have you heard that psychological speak? Find yourself, in other words, find your position in life. Be comfortable with who you are. Know who you are. As Christians, I put aside that psychological stuff. We don't need that. It's just an observation that psychologists make about life. But as Christians, we need to know who we are in God. We are in the kingdom of God. We're sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. Paul said this in Philippians 4, verse 13. How about this? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. He said, I can do all things through um, him who gives me strength. Philippians 4, 13. I, Paul said, can do all things through him who gives me strength. And he was chained to a Roman soldier in household arrest at the time. How about that? That's not positive psychobabble. That's someone who knows his position in his, with his father. He knows he has a good, good father. He's chained to a Roman soldier, but he looks behind him, his back, and he not only sees a Roman soldier he's chained to, but he sees a good, good father. You know, this morning we sung about this good, good father. God is a good father. Jesus said he's our father in heaven. If you trust in Jesus Christ, God now becomes our father. And so no matter what you're chained to, if you're chained to a sickness, if you're chained to something at work, it's a manager who's given you a hard time, you feel hard done by, look over your shoulder and you see that, but you can also see a good good father because that's your position that's my position in Jesus Christ because the word of God says so Jesus says so Paul says so so no wonder Paul could say I can do all things through him God Jesus the Holy Spirit who gives me strength this wasn't just psychological woo, 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 let's psych ourselves up we can do anything this was knowing his position And then saying, I'm going to step out and practice this. I'm going to live this. And I'm going to ask you to help me. I'm going to draw on my loving relationship with my father. My good, good father. And that's why a little child will venture out and walk around the room. Because they know that mum and dad or grandma is there. And and they're there to scoop them up and love them. And give them that safety and that love and that comfort. And they'll walk and they'll move and they'll do something in life. And so can you and I. So Paul says, live as children of light. Why? Because we can. Because we have the potential to. We have the potential in our hearts and lives to practice and live as light. We are kingdom people. We're not only waiting for the completion of the kingdom, we are kingdom people. We now live in a new kingdom and we're called to live that life and live as light. Tell the world that Jesus lives. Jesus Christ is alive in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this. He said, the Holy Spirit said, do not worry. In John chapter 14, don't be concerned. Don't worry. I won't leave you on your own. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to a helper, a helper who will be with you and in you. And that's how we can live as light. We have all the power and the potential and the position. Now we're in the kingdom. And then when you say, I don't know if I can do this, as you attempt to walk out and to forgive, as you attempt to walk out and reach out, maybe it's to pray with someone about healing. We can pray that. God will do it because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us. He'll be with us and in us. You see, when we live for God, we are truly free. When we decide in our lives to truly live for God, Jesus is the truth and the truth sets us free. He is truth, the truth, and he will set us free. And we will truly be free. When I first became a Christian, as if the weight of the world came off my shoulders, the very next day that I became a Christian, I woke up, I felt a different person. 
It wasn't just psychological. It wasn't, I, because I was new. I was a brand new. I'm a new creation. I'm in Christ. I now discovered, I realize now, looking back all those 33, whatever it is, more years ago when I became a Christian, I now realize I was transferred on that day when I said, Jesus, I love you, I trust you, forgive me, I want to live for you. I was taken out of darkness and brought into light. That's why the next day I woke up, I felt as if the weight of the world was off my shoulders. And I can walk in that every day. Every day in life and light. And so I have a sense of freedom, peace, and that peace will give you purpose. I meet so many Christians that don't have a sense of purpose. They go and do this, they try that, they're not planted, they go here, they go there. As soon as we desire to live for him, his kingdom comes in our hearts and lives. And we're able to live as life and light. This morning... God is calling us to, as Paul said there, live as children of light. What would that mean in your marriage? I don't ask you to say to me. What would that mean in your home? What would that mean in that difficult situation at work? What does that mean in the face of some things that doctors have told us? What does it mean in your world in which you live, your world, your family, your home, if you were to live as light, if you begin to practice all of the love, all of the forgiveness, all of the hope that Jesus has now purchased for you, that is now yours. In Ephesians, Paul says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every blessing is now ours. It's in Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. Everything is now ours. With all of that at our disposal, all of God in our hearts and lives, as we ask the Holy Spirit now to help us, because we're weak, to help us in our marriage, because I feel weak, to help me at work, because I feel weak in the face of this, to help me to forgive, because I feel weak, to help me in my body, because I feel sick, whatever it might be in our lives, to help us, then Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, who will give me strength. As we begin to live as light, something amazing happens. The world around you seems to experience that light also. And it's the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome him, says the word of God. Let's pray together. We've been called out of darkness into light. And we've now been called to make God our priority Our position is now that we're in the kingdom of God and we're called to now live, practice as children of light in the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you, we love you, we honour you and we just give you our hearts and lives afresh. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will now come and begin to touch our hearts and our minds with everything that we've maybe shared this morning, there's going to be something, there'll be a certain something that will grip each of our hearts. And I pray, Father God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will reveal to each one of us, myself included, that which you want me to practice, that which you want me to lay hold of. We give you our hearts afresh. We want to make you our treasure. Our treasure. Oh, how you treasure us, Lord. You're a father, a good, good father that treasures a relationship with us. And so this morning, we come before you and say, we want to give you our hearts and lives afresh. Holy Spirit, would you just come and be released in full measure in our minds and lives. May we be transformed by the renewing of our minds 
so that the things that we believe about ourselves are not the things that we've been taught by others perhaps, but taught by what you say, your word. Maybe not taught by the things of this world, but by the things of your word. Would you now come, Holy Spirit, renew our minds with people of the kingdom, sons and daughters. We've been transported, transferred out of darkness, out of the hold of this age, into the glorious light of the love of your son and into the kingdom of God, your rule, your authority, which is good because you're a good, good father. Now, good father, would you come and be released in our marriages, released in our hearts, released in our children. We call you, Father God, to touch the hearts of the prodigals. A restoration of your church, Father, we pray, with all of the kingdom of life and light. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you restore your church to be resplendent in the glory of your love, hope and forgiveness. Let it rise. Let it rise in our hearts, we pray. For we love you. And treasure you in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to close as we worship and give our hearts to him afresh.